Thanks for downloading the Nightcap Series 3 sponsored by Guzborne. Uh, episode 2 coming up. Thought we'd still just check in. I'm still in my home studio and Paul's on the line. How you doing, mate? Not bad, mate, you? Yeah, yeah not too bad. We had a good Easter of weather and stuff. Both got gardens, so we're like, I feel sorry yeah. for people that don't have gardens at the minute. I know. That must I be. know our restaurant manager Jack, I feel for him, he's in Warwick and he's got no uh, no garden, nothing. Oh, on his own that is tough, yeah. isn't it? Awful. Just before we came on air, uh, Paul goes, oh, Ethan's uh, out in the garden, but he's refusing to put clothes on, but he's gone out in his wellies. <laughs> yeah, to drag him in. Just in his Gruffalo wellies. <laughs> oh, and he had an umbrella. It's a see-through umbrella. <laughs> See for umbrella, naked wellies. Perfect. Yeah, it's his sister's pink one. <laughs> it's the oh, right it. picture. Um, yeah, so I I wanted to ask you about how your bread, how you got on with your bread, because I mean, obviously you've made tons of it in your life, but you said you hadn't done a sourdough in years. So how did you get on? What was the what was the method? Yeah, f- uh, fine. Um, I mean, we've we've had the starter going. My starter's older than um, Esme. It's like <laughs> it was seven in those. Your first child. Um, Esme's the middle child. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> come second um yeah and the the bread we make at the restaurant which we've done since day one it uses a starter but we use yeast as well so it's it's not quite a sourdough yeah okay it's a very unique bread completely designed the recipe just for that purpose Uh um so yeah it's probably been about six years since i was working at terminal mill that i've actually made a sourdough so you know i haven't got um you know the baskets to prove them in or anything so i just had to do a bit ad hoc i've got a la Crusade that you know i've got hot and whacked it in it was beautiful shape wasn't right because i couldn't prove it right but it was yeah. beautiful yeah oh nice yeah it's one. nice it's a lovely process if you've got the time at home you know everyone's got the time and yeah <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah i was so yeah, surprised like that flour has been the thing that i don't know maybe i shouldn't have been surprised but most people have said i mean pasta for a bit was a bit scarce but flour is just no, you can yeast like everyone. And maybe I was naive, but I was thinking not everyone's going to be home baking and home making breads. But clearly they are. It's like every well, supermarket. I'm surprised as well. There's bread on every shelf. Yeah, there is. There, no yeah, bread flour. How funny is that? It's so weird. It's, it's sort of quite really. nice in a way, though, isn't it? Yeah, and I've been making it because I like. I enjoy it. I always have. It's a really pure form of cooking you yeah, know it's therapeutic bread flour and water and you produce something that every man woman in the world wants yeah. in some way and there's so many different varieties it's like a universal it's so food isn't it yeah and it's just endless and it, it is it's therapeutic i've loved it since since college yeah oh, that's so cool uh okay so we're going to jump into episode two in a second as we said in the first episode these are all recorded uh sort of at the beginning of the year before all this stuff happened so they were recorded in the same way the previous series were they're just good fun uh us all having a chat and a few drinks upstairs above salt as normal remember that Gusborn are looking forward to seeing you all back in restaurants as soon as possible and whilst you have some time in your hands why not visit their website www.gusborn.com to find out more or to place your orders remember there's free delivery and no minimum order requirements there too follow us on instagram twitter facebook at the nightcap pod or at the nightcap underscore pod and uh, yeah, enjoy. Hello and welcome to The Nightcap, life behind the Michelin star, a late night lock-in here where some of the best chefs in the country candidly discuss and debate all things culinary over a few drinks. It's Series 3, 
episode two. And right now, as always, I'm sat upstairs at Salt Restaurant in Stratford-upon-Avon, Shakespeare's home in the heart of Warwickshire. It's 10 o'clock at night. Actually, bang on is this time. I normally just say that, but yeah, it, it is, is literally is. exactly 10 o'clock at night. Service is wrapping up downstairs, so let me introduce myself and what the hell we're all doing here. My name's Simon Alexander. I'm a podcaster, producer, and daytime cooking show contestant. To my left, playing host, Michelin star head chef and owner of Salt, Mr. Paul Foster. How are you doing? You're right, yeah. Good, thanks. Thanks for asking again. And our guest today is the founder of The Flying Fish and possibly the most talked about man throughout series one and two of The Nightcap. <laughs> it's Mr. Johnny Godden. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, very good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Absolute pleasure. Now, I normally at this point say, how was dinner? But it was a very unique circumstance today because today, Paul, I believe you ate with Johnny together. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And I only decided to today as well. So I spoke to Johnny earlier before he left Cornwall and he was like, am I eating with you tonight? I was like, no. It's <laughs> a bit weird it's like eating in my own restaurant yeah. and then he said I'm going to be on my own then I was like yeah and then, I um, thought I'd been a Mitchell inspector just sitting yeah. there making notes <laughs> yeah that's true actually and I thought about it I was like well it's pretty quiet tonight and I thought well it's good to eat in your own restaurant and I thought fuck it I'll do it yeah and it was lovely first I really time enjoyed it first, first time, time ever yeah, yeah, first yeah. Time and you were a lot less drunk than last time we had dinner together <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah we had dinner um, what but just over a year ago at number six yeah. didn't we yeah I was steaming. did you it was just the two of you yeah but well, he was yeah. hammered I was driving yeah. uh, so he had, en- he had enough for two I think he drank about three bottles of <laughs> Wine. Yeah, he was, he and the groaners and beers yeah, and gin. Yeah, yeah, that was a bit of a wild <laughs> night on his part. Oh, I love it! And how did you find dinner? Did you have to be polite because he was right in front of you? No, not say? at all. No, I've been wanting to come up for ages. Obviously, I've known Paul for for, for a long time now, and. Um, Everything was sublime, really, and uh, I told myself as soon as I get the carrot dish, I'm not going to love it. So <laughs> yeah. I'd be thinking, no, I, not everyone can be right, and my God, that carrot dish is the dog's bollocks. Oh, yeah. It really is. It is absolute. And he, I did what he said, and I left the the crouton to the end. Mm. And you know, when you roast a chicken and you sort of got all that, like all the stuck sort of uh, skin bits and stuff yeah, on the yeah. bottom, and you you sort of get that off. It, that's what it was like eating. It was yeah. like eating like the bottom of a roasting pan. It was the absolute Best dog's. Oh, stunning. I Love Absolutely it. beautiful, yeah. Well done, Paul. You've really, honestly, really, really top notch. <laughs> yeah, really yeah, yeah, it's really nice good. to enjoy it with you as well. Yeah, that was good. Did you find was it a bit weird with your team because it's the first time you've cooked, you've eaten in your own restaurant? Was it weird like interact? Did you interact with the waiters and waitresses like they were like it was role yeah, play? Yeah, I mean, like, so the manager Jack had said to the guys, just treat them like normal customers because I mean, it's good for them, isn't it, to do? And it's a bit weird if you don't. So they yeah. have to come and explain the food because Johnny doesn't know it, even though I know it. Uh huh. Yeah, um, that's true. But yeah, no, they were they were great. They seemed quite relaxed, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, they would put the food down and then they would say, and they would go to explain it. And I'll be go, and then they go, actually, I don't. And I go, no, no, but I want to know. Yeah, no, yeah. No, he may be opposite me, but I really <laughs> quite enjoy you explaining what it is. Yeah, yeah. And then also, if I didn't quite get something, then I had like the master there to go through it with me. It, was, it was absolutely brilliant, really Love good. That. Yeah, top experience. Was there any, was there like a particular dish or something that you were like, oh, it would be really interesting to see if this is, was there anything you were a bit like, not worried about, but like, oh, I'm going to have my eye on that? No, not really. To be honest, it was it's the first time I've ate it in sequence even though like I always bang on about how a taster menu really needs to be it's not just a collection of good dishes it needs to have balance and flow and mm-hmm. it's cheesy as it sounds a journey um, but I've never actually eaten it in sequence but it, it was really interesting to eat it in that way and see how it works and yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah it felt good, it felt good. For, it me, nice. the, for me the portion control was the best bit because normally after like when you go somewhere, sometimes it can be overwhelming if you're having these massive portions. But mm. everything was really well balanced. So every time I ate something, I want I wanted more of it. Oh, that's the, and, and that's the sweet spot. And that is the sweet spot. Yeah. And I actually did want more. So every course was 
was a perfect size. Everything was perfectly perfectly done, and I I just felt I actually don't feel too full now. Perfect. Enough room for a nightcap, which is yeah. what this is all about. Obviously. Now coming up on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the life of the supplier and the relationships with chefs, sourcing sustainable produce, and we'll be taking some of your questions that you've sent us via the nightcap Twitter and Instagram pages. As well as that, we'll do the usual bits, boiling point, where Paul and Johnny will tell some real heat of the kitchen stories, and to finish up, some TripAdvisor and. Uh, reviews and cooking hacks and myths as well before we get into it this is a nightcap once again for series three opening a beautiful bottle every episode of Guzborn's finest what have we got here paul so this is um something a bit different to what we've had before we've had it before but not this one so the chardonnay that we've had which is like my favorite of, of theirs uh, the guinevere this you the bottle looks different you see, yeah it does this, yeah, one. It does. this is the appeal to me like yeah. the bottle looks different sight it does yeah <laughs> no you're there with you. i know what you <laughs> <laughs> so this was the first one we ever tried. It's 2013. So when we opened, he bought this one up, and it's amazing. It's a slightly different flavour to the the ones I do now, which are more burgundy, like classic uh-huh. Chardonnays. This is a lot fresher, um, lovely like green apple, like lovely, lovely flavours. We've only got about four bottles left. Oh blimey! I've been keeping them, and I don't think they have any anymore. Oh, this is um, a treat then. So yeah, they won't I'll be pour here myself later. First, <laughs> I'll grab your glass for you, mate. Here you go. What was the one we were just drinking, Paul? The last that was it. We Pinot had the Noir. the Pinot Noir with the duck. Yeah, yeah, that was that was superb. What would you be serving this one with? Is it fatty foods? Yeah, that... Just great with fish. Really good okay, with fish. fish. I know that sounds like a cop out because John is here. No, that's perfect, <laughs> isn't it? And because you know what we want fish, that but this is perfect. Anything like halibut like that like that halibut dish tonight this would be beautiful with it are you big into your wines mate you... um, not really I'm, I, I, I know I know what I like and I like what I like but mm-hmm. no I'm not a massive ma- massive like wine connoisseur sure but, but I do like if the glass stuff. is there if the glass is there <laughs> and it's the, I, I like nice wine um, but I, I know what I like and I like what I like isn't yeah. it funny I often think that people can that people aren't great at identifying really good wines all the time but they know what, what is bad yeah that is, it's more likely that way around yeah the yeah I mean, years ago I'd I went round my mum's for dinner and she's like do you want some do you want some wine I was like yeah yeah I want some wine what you got she's like red wine and it literally was <laughs> the, the label said red wine so like, what the fuck is oh, it that's great. all it said yeah, yeah. yeah. so I'm alright I'll have tea yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, and it was in a box was yeah, it yeah. a box no it was in a bottle oh, wow. <laughs> it just okay. literally red wine oh, you know when it's bad when you're telling your mum to put the kettle on rather for some wine <laughs> yeah, that is bad. ok right let's kick off uh, with our first topic which is the life of the supplier and the relationships with chef this is obviously a really unique chat for us because other than Alex James it's only been chefs so far but Johnny you've come up in, and the reason you've come up in every podcast is because I mean I'll just go through some of the restaurants that you, you're associated with and supply so Paul Ainsworth at number 6 got the Lebri the Champignon Sauvage the Hand of Flowers um, the Manoir the list just goes on it's salt. just never ending mm. oh sorry salt <laughs> sorry mate that's hey, hey. List, <laughs> list is that, that, was, that was the first one coming off my I mean, come on you, you, sorry, I've got a uh, you built yourself such an incredible network and, and everyone raves about you. So we were dying to get you on and loads of people on Twitter were like, oh, you've got to get Johnny on, you've got to get Johnny on. So just set the scene for those that don't know. Tell us a bit about the Flying Fish and how it all came about for you. Yeah, so Flying Fish basically was uh, a misspent youth. Uh, basically in out of school at a very young age couldn't couldn't really stay at school so i actually left school at 14 years old wow okay yeah just uh 
I don't, I don't like being told what to do. So uh, my mum shipped me off up to the Highlands of Scotland to work with my uncle who has a fleet of uh, hand-dive scallop boats. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you that, don't like school, that, you're going on the... That was a rude awakening, <laughs> right? Yeah. Tell me, because they're men. Wow. They are men. You know, you put in a 14-year-old, uh, 14-year-old young, innocent pretty boy with a bunch of <laughs> if you do say so yourself you know yeah. young you know with a bunch of highlanders basically so anyway i were, i sort of like uh, hung around up in scotland for about a year and then i uh, came back to gloucestershire which i'm where i'm from just down the road okay, in Cyrus. Yeah, sister so yeah i'm a gloucestershire boy oh, okay great yeah and um i then got a job in a, a fish factory there started as a box cleaner I stayed at that company for 11 years, working my way up from box cleaner to filleter to uh, fish buyer to then sales manager eventually. And then in 2006, I decided that I wanted to kind of like uh, do my own thing because I had my own vision about what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I moved from Gloucestershire, from Sirencester to Cornwall to set up Flying Fish Seafoods in 2006. And... uh, here I am sitting here with you lovely people. So, yeah, wow. it's a bit of a dream come true, really. And in the beginning, then, you set up the company, but was it literally just you and a, and a boat? Like, what was the first, like, few years, few months of getting that thing off the ground? Well, the first sort of few months was literally me in a van. So I would literally, Monday morning, I'd wake up at, say, 4 a.m. I'd get to Lou Market by, say, 5 a.m. I'd buy all the fish, get back to the factory by about 7, 8 o'clock. Um, I would then get on the phone, sell it to the restaurants. I would then prep it all up, put it in a van, and then deliver it to the Cotswolds. So I'd deliver around here and stuff, wow. all to the man and lowest sort of manner. Yeah, I was, I was pulling in, like, big old shifts in those days. It was fucking relentless. <laughs> I mean, like, fucking hell. When I think back now, like, what, what was I thinking? <laughs> I mean, what <laughs> a fucking idiot. Home must be you know, it, it was hard, and, you know, falling asleep at the wheel and stuff, and I had a young family, and, you know, oh, at the man. time it was just... But, you know, the... The thing for me was I always understood that to get the best quality fish, I had to be by the source, uh-huh. right? And to maximize the cust- for, for the customers, I had to get it from ship to plate within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So the ethos I had when I started was I buy off the Cornish best fishermen and I sell it to the best chefs that are willing to buy the best quality. So it's very simple, really. Yeah. Ship to plate in 24 hours. And so, yeah, started off me just delivering to the Cotswolds twice a week. So I'd go a Monday night and a Thursday night. But, you know, through the week, I'd still land a lot of boats, get a lot of fish prepped myself and, and so on and so forth. And then gradually got, a you know, a driver to drive. We gradually expanded a little bit. And then, you know, and uh, the, the company has evolved. That's amazing. And so when you were transporting all this fish, like you sometimes would, what, clean Clean the fish. Oh, no, I don't know everything. Do anything, everything. And, 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 and everything. Like so, if where if, would you find the time to do that? And where would you would you do that at home? Would you no, do no, no. So I had like a um. So I when I moved to Cornwall, sort of like there was a guy that had hurt his back, and he had like this little like uh, little. I, 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 it was a real shithole. It was a real. <laughs> it was honestly, it was a complete dump. Yeah. It was like it was, it was bad. And then I remember I walked in there, and he had a fridge and a freezer and a filleting block, and uh, I just remember thinking like. I just left this company that I'd been working for for like 11 years and it was a really good company and I thought is this what I is this it you know but I I felt that I could make the space work 
so I would buy everything, bring it back there. I would then so uh, say or I would ring up, say someone like Paul, and say, "What would you like?" They'd say, "I don't know, twenty mackerel." If you want them filleted? I'd have to fillet their mackerel, box their mackerel, ice their mackerel. I had to do everything, wow. like, like everything: buy, sell, fillet, Mantis. deliver the lot, and um, yeah, and basically deliver. But the thing is, as well, to get it to people, you have to deliver it through the night. So mm-hmm. I'd start at like four a.m., five a.m. in the morning. I'm still delivering fish at six a.m. twenty-four hours later. Jeez. In Cheltenham, <laughs> you know, Man, there's so no it, choice but to there, drive yeah, all the way back down I'd, to Cornwall. Yeah, yeah, so I'd normally just stop in certain places. I'd like a sleeping bag and stuff. So I'd like crash out in a van for a few hours or, or whatnot. Or at that point as well, like I had some family members in Cyrus, so I'd may jump and have a few hours sleep with them and then drive back to Cornwall afterwards. But the key, the key has always been being by the source of the fish uh-huh. and the varied supplies that Cornwall has to offer and getting it from uh, the, the ship to the plate to maximise the freshness within a, within, a, within a very small time frame. And I suppose from the beginning to now that never stops in terms of your endeavour to find the best source of food. So are you still always checking for new places to get the best quality ingredients or have you yeah. just got your places that do the best that, that and that and stick to them? Or do you, are you constantly looking for new places to get stuff from we try to evolve within relationships we've had over the the relationships I've had with over 20 years but it's very hard to reinvent the wheel like so if you know for a fact that someone looks after the fish that they have caught for, for instance say for instance we're in turbot season okay mm-hmm. and a boat will catch say I don't know 25 or 30 kilos of turbot say 5 or 6 fish mm-hmm. and how they deal with them on the boat and get the mice looked after with, with love and care with respect now if you know that that vessel does that mm. you'll always buy off them yeah, yeah. right okay. so you're never going to waver from that now if all of a sudden that vessel starts landing you some stuff you think you know, maybe this isn't quite what we're doing. You ask them the question, like, what's happened? You know, what, what, why are you doing this? Uh, that's about the only time I'll look elsewhere. Wow. But other than that, I've built my business on, I buy off one oyster farmer. Yeah. I buy off one mussel farmer. I buy one salmon. I buy one type of halibut. Uh, and those relationships that I've forged in the last 20 years is what I stick to, really. Yeah, and it's on the same on our side as well, isn't it? The relationship that I've got with with Johnny yeah we've been how long have we been using it now since 2014 I think yeah when did you start Mallory because I didn't do your Tudnam Mills no you didn't go out were you recommended Johnny from someone I'd I'd heard of him and then Mallory were already using him and so straight away I jumped on it and I literally just it's the relationship and the trust that was built up through that you know, not, I've only got one fish supplier here, yeah. and that's Johnny. And because I know exactly what I'm going to get, and it's like we were closed yesterday, so I phoned up, spoke to Johnny, and it's not like the menu doesn't dictate what we order. What's good is dictates what we order. So I speak to Johnny, but I'll have in my head, okay, we're going to have mackerel and brill on. So I phoned up, what's good? Oh, mackerel's great, okay, um, and then. Um, the brill was too pricey but good so he's like have the halibut so I'll go with what he recommends because wow. that trust that yeah. you know that it's not about so- just phoning up I want this cut I want this size I want this price it's like what, what's good and he knows 
the food, what we do, how we work. So he knows what I expect, and that's down to the relationship that you built over the years. Yeah, that's you so unique. That with that's so unique to get it to that level, especially like this week with the weather. We've had like we've had th- four. This this weekend's the fourth storm we've had back to back. Our mm. dayboat fleet has been tied up for nearly ten days. So there's no inshore fish. Yeah. So all that dayboat fish that we're renowned for selling, there bloody isn't any. You're so so you're trying then to like say, well, we haven't got this, we haven't got that, but we've got this and we've got that. And they just have to trust your judgment yeah. and go with it, you know? But you're so, I guess, affected by the elements that people will just have to understand because what yeah. else can you do? Yeah. Uh, so like in the beginning when you, because now your reputation is is so vast, at the beginning, people didn't know who you were, but you thought, right, I've, I've definitely got good produce here. Yeah. Did you have to develop like a sales pattern or how did you get in? How yeah, did it, how did it happen? <laughs> we, we had a couple of stories earlier, actually. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're like, about like the yeah, yeah. It's kind of like so when I started dealing with, for instance, the fat duck. Yeah. So I rang up the fat duck um, and. Um, I sort of said, you know, I was 26 then, right? I was a young, d- yeah. young and dumb, like yeah. really young, really, really. Well, I think blessed that, though, it, so. Yeah, but you've got like balls the size of watermelons because you just don't <laughs> care. You really like, you're out to do it. You've got one vision. That's, that's, that's what you want to do. Yeah. So I sort of thought, right, I really want to supply these really high end restaurants, you know? So I rang up the fat duck and I said to this guy and he goes, mate, he's an Australian head chef then. It was just in between Ashley Palmer Watts and Johnny Lane. Right. Okay. And uh, there's a guy called Graham, an Australian guy. And he goes, mate, send us a brochure. And I said, oh, I don't have a brochure. And he goes, no. I said, all I've got is a van. <laughs> and I, and, but I've got some nice stuff. Yeah. And he goes, all right. I said, but listen, I, I can pop up and see you and I can show you. Right. And he goes, all right then. So I rolled up outside the fat dump, right? <laughs> right? Right in this, this shitty van. Like, it, was, it was crap, right? Like the trotters. Right, yeah. it, was, it, it wasn't kind of quite that bad, but I bought, because I wanted a Mercedes Sprinter, right? Uh, but, I, but I had this Fiat Ducati. It was new. It was, brand, it was brand new, right? It was brand new. It was brand new. But anyway, so I pulled up outside the fat duck. And it just so happened, like, that morning, like, so I, all these chefs descended on my van, right? Yeah. So I sort of, like, showed them, and I literally had some lime court mackerel, literally was literally 10 hours old. I had some inshore dayboat turbots and that. And these guys are like, hang on, we, that mackerel's amazing. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, can we have that? I was like, yeah, no problem, mate. <laughs> so I sort of, like, wrote the weight down, give him that. And I said, I've also, you know, got this turbot as well. He goes... Yeah, right then. We'll we'll take the turbo. So I was like, superb. Drove around the corner to the Heinz Head, which is Heston's Heston's pub. The head chef at this point was a bloke called Clive Dixon. And I sort of sort of said, I've just been to meet the guys at the Fat Duck, and uh, they're happy with some of the stuff. Do you want to maybe have a look in the van? He's like, Yeah, right then, mate. So I sold him twenty lemon soles. Right? You're making this sound easy. (laughs) No, seriously. This is this this, and this was on one day. So right, (laughs) my confidence was like up there. (laughs) I was like Roger Federer. It was literally. I was like, honestly. So I thought. I'm going to go round to the waterside. Oh, right? wow. Okay. So I drove round the corner to the waterside. And at that point, I mean, you're talking, this is 12 and a half, 13 years ago. I was, 20, I was like 26, 27 years old. Complete idiot. You know, <laughs> I had no idea. This crap's out old van. I was like, but I really felt that my, I really did feel that I could do a good job for these, these, these chefs. And I really believed that. So I then went to the waterside and it just so happened that I had these beautiful red mullets that they, they, they liked the look of and they took them as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> I went back to Cornwall with an empty van. Yeah. Monday morning, I rang them up. They paid, put an order in. And 
I've had an order every day since I've had my business from the fat duck and the waterside. Oh my god! So still to this day, still, still to this, very, still to this very day, the fat duck. Has ne- they've enough. never, they've never missed an order from me ever. <laughs> Just every clean single up day. T- two free stars in one day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and and but what I think what they they liked though it wasn't that I gave them a spiel and gave them like this flashy brochure. I was Here's I was a young lad yeah. and I had a decent product that I really yeah. didn't believe. I believed that it was the best. Uh-huh. And uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's been plain sailing. There's been some howlers. <laughs> like, 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 I have given fucking, them some shit. Like, I remember words was like, like one of my fans, like, like full of fish, hit hit two deers. Right, I got oh, a call. No. I was in Cornwall, like a fridge full of fish. I got a fat duck on the phone. They got bloody scallops in each truck, and I'm like, they ain't coming, you know, and, and and stuff like this. But but you know, I I really I really truly in my heart of hearts believed that 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 I could. I could do my best for these these chefs and give them stuff that I felt that was to the level that they wanted day in day out and I I do truly believe to this day that you know I've I've never faltered from doing that. That's probably why like Paul's just saying there that he just takes your lead and trusts what you'll say. That's probably because of that yeah. they know you're not gonna just bullshit them and you'll say no I don't want to give you that today because yeah. rubbish I'll give you something else instead if you're up for it. Like, yes, yeah. pretty so, unique I think. Yeah, and sometimes you know like you know because like like this week. Like, like there's no day boats, so everything's off like big sort of uh, they like beamer boats. Mm. Now, let's say I tried to aim for a nine out of ten quality or a nine and a half. Like you know, that's you know, certain people have turbot on their menu at the moment, They're, and I'm just telling them, look, you're going to have to accept it's a seven out of ten. Like you don't have to have it. Mm. You know, you can if you want to get it from somewhere. So else, you'll tell your customers this is a seven out of ten. Hundred percent. One hundred. Because if you lie to them, they'll mm. only lie yeah, once. That you is amazing. And if they're desperate and like they know and they trust you, and as long as it doesn't happen all the time, and the weather's bad and it's out of my control, and I say, listen, you can have it, but but this is what it is. They, you know, most of the time will take it, and you know, it, it's all good. You know, that yeah. is amazing. But from using other fish suppliers, like the direct comparison, like you could just phone up. Can I have some monkfish? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but they probably, they probably thought they're meeting your needs by just saying yeah and exactly. not worrying yeah. too much about quality. Just going, yeah, of course I can. I'll get it to you straight away. That's probably what they were trying to do. Exactly. Not, yeah. That's not what you it's want. Not, it's not what you want. They don't understand the difference in businesses. And then you'll get these big companies um, which will supply good restaurants, shit restaurants and hospitals. Um, so they're getting in good stuff, average stuff and shit stuff. Mm. So the shit stuff filters through to other places now and again. They don't buy one grade. So like Johnny buys the best stuff he can buy. So, like for me, when we were starting up, if I couldn't afford turbot or whatever, I'd buy what's known as cheaper fish, but it's still the best quality of that fish. Got you. You know, it's yeah. like it's like you know, I couldn't afford scallops, but I'm getting the best fucking cod I can. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. See, because sometimes where people where people well, I can never understand with some people is they will rather buy a decent fish that's shit yeah. than actually buy like a real spanking fish that's lesser known yeah, or, yeah. you know or more humble that you know you look at say you know the, the, the guy from the Champignons of Ours in Cheltenham he has built his reputation on using humble ingredients mm-hmm. and he still now does like a little uh, like um, an amuse-bouche which is little bits of pouting now pouting you, you can't give it away I mean it's you know really? no one just wants of, it just because of fashion we're not talking it, about anything other than it's yeah, just fashion I mean, yes you know it's not turbot but, yeah. you know but when it's fresh it's still good mm-hmm. now if you can use that it's like I don't know four, four, five quid a kilo yeah. whereas like you know say if you're going to try to buy you know cod 10, 11, 12 pounds a kilo this is still that white beautiful fresh fish 
there's nothing wrong with that so mm-hmm. if you can use the humble ingredients that are good yeah. to help out with your margin as well you've got a winner in my opinion you know wow that is it and, and so you, what is your relationship going forward with all the you know is it the same with every chef or do you I suppose you're dealing with lots of different like characters but is it the same sort of thing like with Paul you can just ring him up and go mate don't don't get the turbo off me now it's a 7 out of 10 I'll give you this is it the same with everyone or no not? no, no okay. I wish you bloody was <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. um, I'm just an easy sal. <laughs> no, it's not like, I, like it's kind of you know like you know chefs are chefs are the chefs are such craftsmen and such perfectionists that they will not accept anything they feel is lower. Right? Once you get it into their heads and explain to them, and sometimes some are more forgiving than other, and it's not about it's not about the sal. Mm. It's like I'd rather tell someone I haven't got something then send it to him and get the shit the next day got it, yeah. right yeah. I'd much rather that like you know I would much <laughs> rather say nah mate I haven't got it or whatever <laughs> yeah. you know um, so sometimes people like you know there's 90 mile hour winds outside the boats are tied up why haven't you got a 10 out of 10 turbot well because the boat hasn't quite been out and I don't have it mm-hmm. but why and, that, and you do sometimes come up against that. That's not so much in this. Not so much now. We've been around a bit longer, but in the mm-hmm. early days, yeah. I mean, we did have a few. Well, how would you combat that? Well, you just have to stand your ground and say, "Look, no, sorry." Or in the early days, to be honest, I'd have jumped through hoops at every <laughs> single, every, every, you know, everything I possibly could, but tried to deliver what I could. But again, all I've ever done is try to be honest with people and just tell them the truth. And I, I'd say to them, "Look." I haven't got one good enough for you. If you can go and get it from someone else and it's good enough, brilliant. Mm. That's, that's cool for me. Yeah. I'd rather lose the sale and you and you get sorted than me get the sale and you're not going to be happy with it. Yeah, and definitely. I've always sort of stuck by that. If you don't mind me asking, like, so what is the operation now? Like, how many vans have you got taking stuff out, or how many people are d- out on deliveries? Like, what is the state of flying fish now? Oh yeah, so so when I started in. Uh, so when I started in 2006, it was one man in a van, and uh, so we're over 100 employees now. Wow, that's amazing! Yeah, so like the nicest possible. Way. I didn't expect you to say that yeah. as many as that. That is quite incredible. And because of how the shift pattern works with drivers, we have to have quite a lot of drivers. But we run 40 Mercedes Sprinters, <laughs> and, they're all, and they're all new. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know. Lucky they've got it. We we named them after fish as well, which I quite like. I watched the Eddie Stobart program once and went, "Such a great idea!" <laughs> you know, I'm going to name my fish and name my vans as fish. So I got a turbot, a tuna, a John Dory and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, no, it's um, no. There'll, there'll be one van that's called a shit fish. That yeah, was like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. driving the yeah. what? The, the, the funniest one actually is a guy put. I, I put skate on one, but he put a trout, and on the uh, the trout it was his skate. So you had like, there. I was like, pretty sure that's the wrong way round. You know? <laughs> I love that. No, to be honest, like you know, we 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 you know, it sounds amazing, but every day we just tried to. Uh, deliver our, our quality of our produce as, as well as we can day in day out week week in week out and luckily it's just always worked yeah it, it, it does, the system works as well like I've got no time for any chef that like 11 12 at night is phoning the fish order for the next day expecting good quality mm. and no, no time for those chefs at all like, like Johnny last orders at 3 o'clock we generally speak I mean I might text him at 12 o'clock if I forgot something but by then the order's in it's only about and 10 it's, o'clock in it, so. yeah, yeah generally yeah and then it's here at 3am 
in the morning they've got a key goes in the side that is always there for him wild pack so first thing in the morning it's there waiting for us get it prepped get it ready unless someone skanks it on the way home (laughs) (laughs) that's why they've got a key I was going to say it was Johnny's uh, scallops that got nicked yeah Yeah, that's why they got a key you know the word word skanking there as well yeah yeah I thought I got shit for that didn't I so much she was a skank (laughs) Uh, yeah oh mate honestly like the worst ones like when we when we so we basically we started going into London um, I didn't want to go I had no I had no intention of delivering into London but uh, one of our restaurants was opening a, one of our chefs was opening a restaurant in London and I tell you what stuff gets nicked in London all the time I was going to say uh, like it, you must leave some fish in weird and wonderful places and uh, stuff must go missing all the time yeah they they <laughs> Not only do they go missing, but uh, a few a few, a few things happen along the way as well. <laughs> okay, like, go on, enlighten us. Well, for, for instance, like so, like um, oh, you look stressed now. Yeah, so, like, well, basically, uh, one of my drivers walked into a restaurant that I supply. <laughs> walked into a restaurant. There's a party kicking off in there, and there was five naked people in there. <laughs> What time uh, was this at? This was like 2.30 2 in the morning. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, well, uh, you know, anyway, so, so, so we have like... Fish delivery. So basically, we didn't, we didn't like, you know, anyway, so he goes in, goes down, it's five naked people. <laughs> he's like, you know, puts the fish in the fridge as he's walking out over girls' pants and things and shit like that. <laughs> Uh, he realised one, 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 one of them was actually wrapped up in Cleanville. Oh. Any, anyway, right? So, so fucking. So basically, was she alive? So, so basically, she or he? She, it, it was a she. Yeah, okay. So, so, so basically, my driver then puts the fish in the fridge and does one. <laughs> okay. As you do. Yeah. yeah. Right. The next day I'm at work and I try and run a professional operation, you know, you know, and stuff. So I'm there. You're not cling filming your staff, are well, you? Well, That's, no, you know. not yet. Not, not naked. <laughs> but we're thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, so, so basically I sort of, you know, my logistics manager, who's like quite a professional bloke, he's like 58 years old. He's been with me for 10 years, you know. He's been with me a long time. Says, uh, you, you got a word. Can I have a word? And I was like, yeah, no worries. So he come out and he, he explained this whole situation. So anyway, it turns out that yeah, a couple of the couple of the chefs have got a bit raucous with a few of the girls in the restaurant. Oh and, my uh, god! Yeah, that's that. <laughs> what that's about the cling film? The, like, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it wipes clean, doesn't it? So. <laughs> <laughs> All, all, all I would say though oh, is why yeah. the fucking hell wasn't I invited right and, uh, this, and why uh, did you uh, drive a leave I know I know I said this to him I was you know I was like thinking to myself like when he told me I was like no like this is an exaggeration surely uh, but there was it it wasn't an exaggeration. This actually happened. Obviously, I know you're not going to tell us like where it was, who it was. No, is it like a? Can you tell us this? Is it? Is it a? Was it like a Michelin? Level? I'm not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When the mics yeah. are off, I'm, 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 listen. To be honest, <laughs> this actually has caused me a lot of shit. What right? that story? Yeah, no. This is this. This is oh, blow, this, this is this blew up quite oh, okay, a bit, okay. right? This is blew up. This, this blew up really big actually, and everybody knows, but. You know, so, (laughs) 
you know, I'll leave it there. <laughs> okay, okay, not yeah, a problem. We get the hint. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, move on swiftly. Yeah, moving on to... How are those super noodles, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of super noodles being had up here. And a lot of people telling us that we should be eating them in sandwiches, yeah, obviously. That's disgusting. Do not do that. <laughs> yeah. If you love food and respect food in any way, don't do that. Yeah, if, Paul. If I knew you were so offended, that would have been one of the courses tonight. <laughs> yeah, and that would have been going back. Yeah, like, I wouldn't have cared if you were there. Um, before we go on to our features, I wanted to quickly talk a little bit about sort of sustainable produce because obviously you've been in the in the game for what fourteen years. Then two thousand six, you, you set I up the started, business. No, no, I so I actually started in the fishing fishing industry in, in nineteen ninety five. Oh wow, okay, so twenty five so, years experience. Uh, not quite mate, that old. So I'm thirty. I'm sorry, mate. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <laughs> mate. Yeah. Um, so I'm so I've been. This is my twenty second year. Awesome. In that time, how has uh, how have th- I know things have changed a lot, but have you seen them at that level? How much have things changed in terms of sourcing the fish, how fish are treated, and, and the fish fashions we sort of touched upon before? Because I suppose it has a lot in that time, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's changed a huge amount, and people are I, people are so much more aware of it. And I think it is it's crucial that we do it. You know, we want our children's children to be able to eat seafood. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, like probably in our in our lifetime we'll see tuna become extinct, uh, become extinct you know I don't think in really if you were a better man you'd, you'd say yeah probably oh, yeah our... because it's so it's such a difficult one and it's so sought after out you know in the in the states and in, in the, like you people say like the, the Japanese do eat a lot of like tuna mm. right but if you look about the United States of America it's very popular there is it you know oh yeah it's massive like okay. it's very fashionable to eat sushi and stuff over mm-hmm. there so even like even you know not the big sought after like um, like the big bluefin bluefins stuff, yeah but you're talking about all sorts of tuna and even just like our tins of tuna that we consume in the United Kingdom mm-hmm. and you think about where all that comes from yeah it's a lot you know, and, and every they, supermarket is stacked to the rafters stacked with it. to the rafters yeah. and you just don't believe it is in everything and you know the Japanese actually love it the, the Japanese they eat tons of it and they take so long to grow you know and I, I that's way bigger than everyone imagines aren't they they're huge they are massive I mean I think the biggest one I've seen actually in real life was 137 kilos that's as long as this table that's you know, absolutely if you think about it, madness yeah, it is yeah. big it is big yeah mm. so and what's the best alternative for that though because that's often what people say you know cod we can have pouting we can have these other things like is tuna is it so sought after because it's quite yeah, see, unique I, I, I don't yeah it is but I, you know when people say oh what's an alternative to that I, I think it needs to be Buying seasonally, I think, is imperative, and, and, and kind of, but actually being open mm-hmm. to the other fish. Right now, mm-hmm. look at the logic of it. Right, if you get something like, let's say, anchovies, anchovies are delicious. Right, they're really delicious, but we don't like eating them in this country. We're like, ooh, I don't yeah. eat anchovies, <laughs> right? But we catch all the anchovies, these all, like, massive shores of anchovies. We grind them up mm. to make salmon. Yep. Right, and now because of that reason, all of the farm salmon in Scotland all the chemicals that we're pumping in and all the lice that is coming from all these farm salmon is completely wiping out our wild salmon oh right? God, yeah I didn't realise that no it's, mm. it's completely like it's, yeah. yeah it's like farming salmon is awful but you know there are better ones and we we, we, we deal with a like a we, we always buy either a Westeros or sorry Westeros or Loch Duart which are actually at the, they're the best of a bad bunch really mm. but if we just ate more anchovies 
you wouldn't have that problem. Wow. Do you see what I mean? And, you know, like this year was the first year we didn't buy wild salmon just because it, the stocks are so low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what that, and will that reverse in our lifetime? Do you think that will we'll get better at that? I mean... Well, the, re- the reason these farms are in Scotland is because Norway, the Norwegian government wouldn't pass them in Norway. Right, okay. And there are all these Scandinavian companies that own all these big salmon farms in Scotland. Oh, got it. I didn't even know. See, See all this. It is. Yeah, but it's it is. kind of, and also, like, you're like, it's drummed into us, isn't it? Eat salmon. Yeah, it's it is. It's yeah. full of all this. It's full of all that. And that's great, right? But there's there's there's, there's as much nutrients in some, like, anchovies or sardines or, or mackerel. That if we just ate that and just completely bypassed the big farm salmons or whatever, and I sound like a bit of a hip, hypocrite because I do buy farm salmon because there is a market for it and we do need to still feed people. Of course, yeah. Right? But, you know, it's, um, I think it's going to have to be an ongoing thing. We all have to be very vigilant about what we're eating. And I think buy seasonal, buy as locally as you can, British, mm. you know, um, get away with all these little farm bass and stuff you see in the supermarkets. Yeah, and stuff like yeah, that. yeah. Get rid of all get that. Get rid of it. Yeah. And let's just try and buy stuff awful. from the United States. It's so Kingdom. expensive as well, isn't it, in yeah. the supermarket? And it's shit. Just for the quality, yeah, not yeah. even worth it, yeah. yeah. What about, lastly, before we move on, um, when it comes to, like, fish fashion... I imagine that for no reason or something you can't put your finger on, you'll go for a few years of, right, it was like 2012, 2017, and we were inundated with black. Does that happen much for you guys, where just random fish just become like... Yeah, well, normally Rick Stein sticks it on in, on the telly, and that normally helps to... <laughs> Does it? Yeah. 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 yeah, I actually remember the first time I did, when Great British Menu first started, um, I mean, God, that would have been 2008, 2009, there was a chef on there called Chris he was a really good chef at the time and he uh, wouldn't use cream or butter but he used a ling right in one of his dishes now ling is in the same family as hate cod pollock and uh, I just remember thinking like Ling was costing me nothing and all of a sudden everybody wanted it which was the time was brilliant now <laughs> Ling's expensive yeah, you know, yeah. so you don't have that yeah, same like the, because pork belly's done that isn't it yeah, yeah with meat so where does it come I never know how these things like start these sort of like well it's like, like television or like I a suppose. famous chef using it or sort of something like that something as small as that and everyone getting on it and food trends I mean, food trends are bullshit anyway isn't they? But yeah. I've already I think MasterChef's just started again I've already seen oh, a few tweets this morning, uh, this morning, people being like, "If I see one more pan-fried sea bass," <laughs> and already it's like, "Yeah, that is the like yeah. the thing of now that home cooks like, yeah, I pan-fry sea bass as well." So, so we, we started noticing that. Bass at the moment, you can't fish for sea bass from the first of February to the first of April in oh, the United Kingdom. Oh, really? So sea bass that last year is, 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 well. is, is, is from farmed in Turkey or Greece. Wow! See all this. We are so uneducated, aren't mm-hmm. we? Like the general public got no idea about this stuff. No. I think if people knew quite where certain things come from, I think they would be. I think yeah, I think he's dead yeah. right. I think it's educated. It's purely education. We just see the convenience of the supermarket and just grab it off the shelf, and that's yeah, literally looks, it. Looks nice. Yeah. Actually, one last thing, because I did want to ask you: Can the general public just buy your stuff too, no. or is it just purely restaurants? Yeah, I mean, we have thought about it, um, but again, it's trying to just teach, uh, you know, you know, be true to what we do and just yeah, yeah, do. keeping it pure. I suppose I, I try to do that <clears> because you know, then you're sort of you know, you're then like diversifying, and our you know, our ethos is buying the best best fish we possibly can and select to the best restaurants, hotels and restaurants we can. I think that's what we've always tried to do. Love it. 
Perfect. Should we move on to some questions from our listeners? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Got three here, so feel free to wade in either of you on this first one from Chris. Thanks for messaging, mate, saying, the industry seems to be slowly moving towards more reasonable hours and a four-day week in some cases. We've talked about that quite a few times yeah. on this podcast, haven't we? Is this going to make fine dining at the top end unsustainable eventually? Um... Why would no, that, why I, would don't, that be? I don't think it would, no. I mean, it makes it harder to... The, the margins are ridiculously tight at the top end anyway. It's not so much for us. We're not... like That's why we don't charge the prices of, like, Yulagav Russian places because they have in more staff, mm-hmm. you know, tablecloths, more overheads. Um, it's already tight, so paying for staff and reducing their hours so you need more staff effectively is going to make it much more difficult because yeah. we buy the best products. Of course. So there's a lower margin. So if your staff costs are going up, it doesn't make it tighter. It's not going to make it unsustainable, I don't think. No. But it just, ma- it just makes things tighter. Yeah, you just figure out a new way of doing it. Yeah. I suppose from your point of view, it, we've talked about it loads, about four-day weeks, restaurants closing for more days in the week. Has that affected your supply chain? No, I think think the staffing issue across the board is 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 bad. But I think actually, whereas where the restaurants are trying to cut their hours down, they're relying on us more for their filleting. Mm-hmm. So ah, ra- rather right, than yeah. so so yeah. because we we have quite a high level of. Um, a prep service that we do to, to chef specifications I think that chefs now like in the old days would say like I'll have all my turbots whole now yeah. they say oh we'll have them filleted because you'll save like an hour or two yeah, for yeah, chef exactly. in the morning you're paying yeah. for your time aren't yeah you, and, I, and, and I think like even with stocks now mm. there's a lot of people doing a very good a chef will go to someone that makes stocks and say this is how we make we want it done and then make it to the specification of the chef yeah. so I think even though it will become harder I think more people will help out in other areas actually yeah more yeah. people benefiting outside of the kitchen outside of actually, the kitchen and that's a good thing and I think that would be a good thing yeah, yeah. I love it good yeah, question Chris uh, Matthew asked us what's the best bite of food you've ever had he wants the specific bite um, it was super tonight, tonight, I think yeah <laughs> <laughs> the restaurant I ate in tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see that carrot was up. <laughs> oh, was it? I love it. Best bite. Have you got like a moment? Um, go, oh I spoke God, about bit- it before when Ashley was on the podcast about um, it was the Umbles dish. Yes. And yeah. I, I remember saying that, yeah, when I... I ate the umbles. I remember my wife saying, you've never looked at me like that. Um, but other than that, rather than go over the same one, there, um, there's a... Indian chef in London called Cyrus Todiwala. He's got a restaurant called Cafe Spice, and I did a week work experience there years ago to learn like classic Northern oh, Indian cool. cuisine. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I went back there to eat, and I had uh, like my favourite curry is a Danzac. And I had this Danzac, and it just fucking blew me away. Really, like, the Stuck best with curry I've ever eaten in my life. I've tried to replicate it and can make a nice Danzac, but I just cannot touch that. It was like fucking like mind blowing. Oh, I'm making me salivate just think about curries. What about you, mate? Are there any other? I think probably the lamb chops in Roca in London I think oh nice pretty, yeah I've had that I, I, when I eat them I mean I just want to eat 10 of them <laughs> they come out piping hot and they just come off the hot grill I, I would say that is like when I first bite into it whenever I do it it's yeah, yeah. I try to think about that flavour all the time I, I, I fucking love that food can do this you know like music can, or a smell you, it just takes you to a moment in time yeah. it's, it's like involuntary yeah. Yeah. food does that as well for me like yeah, sometimes totally you taste does. a little thing whether it's your childhood or a holiday it is unreal that it can do that to you yeah, that's like the special it thing about mm. what it is we're all doing mm. okay last one from Ian what is the biggest disaster that you've ever had in the kitchen or well, I suppose in your van mm. you go first yeah. yeah I was struggling with this 
Okay, well, I've actually got one. Paul Go and on. I discussed this over dinner, and then this is pretty gross. Oh, great. So, so <laughs> I'm in. Nice so, dinner chat. Yeah. So, so you, have you guys ever heard... So, you know when you see, like, um, a whole lemon sole? So a whole lemon sole, like, you can skin it by, you skin it by hand. You can mm-hmm. skin it, you yep. pull it off. Anyway, we have a machine wow. that you push through, and then it takes the top skin of the lemon off, so you've just got the flesh. Yeah. I had a lad put his hand through and it skinned his arm. Oh, oh God. Oh, God. Oh, God. That was hairy. <laughs> well, I bet it was. Not anymore. The was, yeah. So, so we had to then get it, so reverse it out. Oh, oh, this is too so much. I want to puke. <laughs> but I'm the boss. Yeah. Right? What, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Oh, man. I was like, oh, my God. What do we do? They're like, you're the fucking boss. You find out what to do. So, yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty disgusting. <laughs> that is Does he still work for you now? Is he all right? No, he's left now. No, actually, to be honest, he did a long, long service with us and it was bad. Don't get me wrong. But it's all good in the end. Okay. That's great. Uh, Paul. Uh, uh, no one seems fucking tame now. I was, I was struggling because I was thinking more about things I fucked up and yeah. of course you burn things all the time I remember once when I was a commie chef um, I was working in a little hotel in Borsal Common and I'd been out on a massive night out and I went in for breakfast I managed to make it in on time nice and the head chef is like I'll do breakfast just fucking stand in the corner just make bread right you're no use to me today so so I'm making the bread and I was really proud of this dough it was like silky as fuck we were busy for lunch as well <laughs> Like three types of bread we used to do. So we did a white, um, a brown, and a brioche. Mm-hmm. Made them all up. Like, Lovely. Really happy with myself. And it's just <laughs> not coming up. He's like, um, "What have you done to this bread? You killed the yeast." I was like, "No, no, it was just warm. <laughs> Room temperature, the water was. It's fine." Okay, it must be a bit cold in it. It wasn't. I was sweating anyway, (laughs) sweating alcohol out. And um, so we did his first proof, and he said, "Well, just uh, just knock it back, um, roll it out." So rolled it all out, and he's sat there, and it's like twelve (laughs) o'clock, and it's not moved. He's like, "Did you put the yeast in the bread?" Of course, I put the yeast in the bread. I'm not stupid. (laughs) Ten minutes later, he's like, "Did you put the yeast in the bread?" So I'm eighty (laughs) percent put the yeast in the bread and he asked me again he's like I don't think I put the yeast in the bread (laughs) I can't remember what we did or how we got out of it but there was no fucking bread that long no yeast twat I love it thanks for all your questions make sure to keep them coming in the nightcap on Instagram and Twitter we'll prompt you for them every week so just follow us on there right time for some TripAdvisor reviews favourite game Um, for those of you that have never heard this before I'll give both of these guys a review from TripAdvisor, they just have to decide whether it's real or fake. Now, obviously, you don't have a restaurant on TripAdvisor. No, I was pretty glad about that. But there are reviews out there. Don't worry about Is it. Is there? No, there are Fly reviews. Fish. Yeah, well, we'll see if it's real or fake. We'll yeah. not, flying, it. not, not flying for sheep yeah. food. Yeah. Well, for my, rent, for yeah. my business. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I got out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking gutted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. We'll let Paul go first. So I will read... Actually, no, I'll let you go first. I'll read your review, and it's either going to be of salt or somewhere else. You've got to tell us. Here we go. One star review. Not good. This is not a review about the food, which I have no, I, no doubt is exceptional. So they've not eaten for a start let's establish that how can why they should have to have a fucking receipt before they can <laughs> yeah. post that shit that's a good idea actually you shouldn't be allowed to post on that unless like you scan. can receipt you yes. can prove that you've been to that restaurant that's a great idea really good right anyway 
I visited in August 2019 to inquire in person about available tables for dinner. I was greeted by a waiter who smirked at my request before informing me that there were no available tables on the particular evening I wanted. Fair enough. However, upon leaving the restaurant... The waiter followed me out of the door and down the street as he somehow had deemed it necessary to escort me out of the building like I was riffraff. As a young person, I felt that this obnoxious nature of the serving staff during my first impression is encouragement enough to avoid this restaurant in future. I hope the management can find the time to work on this. Staff should not treat customers differently because of their age. Oh, poor, poor lad. I'm 21, he put in brackets. Was that a review of Salt or somewhere else? Uh, well, if someone 21 was walking through, it'd be a job interview normally. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of, um, I'd, be, I'd say no. No, I can tell you that that was... Is that really? Yeah. Salt. Yeah. <laughs> who, who showed him out? Well, I couldn't have no idea. Was like, it, you? What it was you, wasn't it? Probably, yeah. Probably kicked him up the arse as well. <laughs> You should have said, get in there and make the bread. Don't yeah. forget the eat. Yeah. <laughs> what I love, though, is uh, Paul, Paul replied. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> he replied. Can you read oh, it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was last summer, wasn't it? Uh, it was, yeah. it was, yeah. I love now, that. He doesn't bother with pleasantries. There's the no point? hello. What's the point? This is it. This is all he said. Never happened, did it, mate? <laughs> <laughs> never happened <laughs> do you know do you know what I actually have been reading these <laughs> yeah. online because when I hear them I like crack up and I like I actually sit on the sofa laugh in my head like, <laughs> so good okay right now I've got one potentially of flying fish seafoods or somewhere else Paul you have to decide which okay I'm sure there's numbers so you're alright oh, okay three out of five star review okay not bad it's above average I'd say that's definitely not me <laughs> title of this review is Inconvenient. The delivery time was clearly stated for 4pm yesterday afternoon. They were so efficient that they were with us by 1.30, which was a nightmare to accommodate as I was balls deep in a lunch service at the time. <laughs> I had to tell them to come back later. Was that a review of Flying Fish Seafoods or somewhere else? Well, based on the fact that, I mean, I know our delivery times, and I don't know, nothing leaves there till what, like gone three. So, I don't know, I couldn't imagine them de- delivering anything that early, that I, early in the afternoon. I actually got a horrible feeling, I, I know that's sad. <laughs> Really? Well, there there was one thing in my memory, (laughs) but I bloody hope I'm wrong. I love that we're making you squirm because it's not one of your reviews. (laughs) Don't worry. I was about to say. No, I have to, to be fair, I found on Facebook several people reviewing you because you can now do that on Facebook. Oh, really? No one, there was, I read through like 50 reviews, not a single bad one. Really? I could not find anything that you did, it was a... Perfect track record. That's that's pretty good but, going. Hang on, we're missing something here. What's the story you're worried about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's that? Oh, good the point. Nearly said. Yeah, good yeah, point. You thought it was. Oh, you mean that time when that guy when we dropped the box of cod and he was giving me shit? Is that no, this one thirty one? Is that the one? I oh, you know there was there was one time that basically because we delivered through the night, our drivers got out early and a guy refused his delivery because he was just walking off out the door. But that was like eleven at night, so you know. Yeah. What did you do in that instance? If he's we just did it on the way back home. Oh, fine. 
resolved. Everyone's happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We don't go chucking people out. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> I do. Okay, lovely. Right, let's move on to boiling point. This is one of my favourite bits of the podcast where our two, I was going to say two chefs, can't say that. Our chef and our supplier tell us the stories of the kitchen, or I guess the van, or the customer relationships. What is the worst it's been? When have you lost your shit on someone else, or, or they've lost their shit on you? Let's go first today. Johnny, go you first. Want me to go? Yeah, you go. Yeah. So, I know, I know, obviously I'm not a chef and uh, we're, we're not in a, a, a chef environment, but it's quite stressful trying to get the vans out. Sounds it? stressful, I believe you. It is It is quite highly stressed and I think Flying Fish should be going about four years and it, I remember it quite clearly. It was the May Day bank holiday weekend, right? And we were rammed and in those days we weren't anywhere near as efficient as we are now and I was doing a lot of the stuff myself. I was... I don't know what, 29, 30 years old. Like I had quite a um, responsible job, but I wasn't old enough to, to deal with that job. Mm-hmm. You know, for oh, what yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I don't have like the brain I have now. I didn't really think about it. And I was highly charged. I've been up since like four o'clock in the morning. In those days, it's a case of literally six or seven like espressos, a pasty, and then like that was me sorted, right? <laughs> Super noodle sandwich on my way. Yeah, yeah. you know, anyway. <laughs> so we're coming to the end of the day. And then like, so we prep all day, fill it all day. Get, get it all ready for the for the drivers to then come in in the evening and then they, they get dispatched and then deliver through the night anyway this this one particular night because it was really busy this driver came in and I don't know why he was just pissing me off like everything he did was just like winding me up <laughs> anyway so he I, I, I then had to lay the routes out like now we have a computer that sorts the routes out and it's, and it's all done and we have a guy doing it but those times I was doing it he goes ah Johnny he said by the way just so you know um, that restaurant should go there and that should go there I said well alright can't you you know that's, you know, it's just a, don't worry about it and he's like alright then or whatever anyway I was like anyway just can you just fuck off and leave me alone <laughs> right I said you're fucking pissing me off already <laughs> right so this is when I grew up okay this was a big one for me anyway so he then pisses off and then we then in those days the vans were probably overloaded really they shouldn't have had as many drops they had and his his van had 50 drops on bloody hell anyway so he came back again and said oh by the way whoever used this van before didn't fill it up I was like fuck you're really (laughs) starting to fucking get my goat now when you finish go up fill up and I just lost it with him started like swearing at him and have a go <laughs> anyway normally what happened is they just you know just piss off and do what they need to do but yeah. he just went and went fuck you right you do the deliveries then I was like no 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 mate come on Ferdy yeah, yeah. don't be irrational he's like don't be irrational he's like you've been having a good at me since I fucking got here <laughs> right <laughs> anyway at this point it dawns on me fuck <laughs> I'm going to have to do those deliveries. So I've been up since 4am. It's now 6pm. There's 55 drops that I've got to do in a van full of fish and no one to do them, right? So I'm like, I'm, I'm then like, the, the, it's changed I'm like Ferdy please mate I'm, I'm, I'm so, so much sorry respect. listen mate fucking hell I'm out of order I'm a tosser fucking I'm such a prick I can't believe I said it's so disrespectful he goes no Johnny fuck you oh right? no so, so he he leaves right I'm looking at this van full of fish thinking oh my god I haven't been to bed I've only been up I've been up since four what the fuck right so I have to let him get in the van right ring the missus and say fucking I've got to go and do it she goes you've been up since four I was like I fucking know right? Right? so 
so anyway, right? It fucking gets worse, right? So I then I am knackered. I'm fu- I've been at, I'm fucking well over. Well, I should not be driving. You know, I'm high on bloody Red Bulls. They make me piss, by the way. Stop me for pisses all the time. I'm trying to get around. That's false economy, isn't it? Fifty, fifty odd drops. Anyway. Finally finished. It's like three o'clock, May Day, bank holiday weekend, heading back to Cornwall. The traffic's awful. I ring my missus and said, I finally finished. She said, listen, don't panic, but my waters have just broken. <gasps> no! I was like, oh. the whole way I was stuck and I was thinking, oh, fuck. I'm going to miss the birth of my kid because I'm a prick. My, I, did, I treat people like assholes. I'm the tosser here. Oh my God. God, I promise you now, <laughs> let me get home safely. And I promise you from now on, I will treat people with the utmost respect. And I have a beautiful oh. nine-year-old baby daughter. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so good. Was fucking ball eight. Oh, yeah. And Ferdy, if you're listening, sorry about that, man. <laughs> Did he ever come back? Yeah, he came back. Oh, thank yeah, God. Yeah, because I apologised. And yeah. I, I remember, well, I remember, so I remember I rang him up and I said, listen, mate, I was a real bell last night. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies, so it's all good now. Oh, yeah. mate, that is so, bloody brilliant. wonderful. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely love that. What a story. <laughs> right, okay, some cooking hacks and myths to finish us up, shall so we? My story? Oh, shit. Yeah. Sorry. No, of course I do. Of course I do. I was I'm going to be that. there, big boy. I know, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. You get well, carry this, this on. One, Sorry. Sh- probably should leave it, to be honest. I was telling Johnny about it earlier. Um, I was just testing the waters to see how bad it was. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's because I feel spoiled. That's what it is. After that, so I feel so spoiled. Yeah. I feel like I don't deserve more stories. Go on. Let's hit, hit us up. Um, I'll have to change his name. So what, what <laughs> oh, that's a sign with? of a good story, what, isn't what, it? What should we go with James? Let's go with James. Yeah. Okay. Totally unrelated. Right, fine. Um, it was when I was working at uh, Tottenham Mill. I had um, a guy come and work for me as, uh, as a number two. Thought he was Billy Big Bollocks, like he'd been on telly. Um, <laughs> oh, so he's not called James, he's been on telly. Okay. <laughs> been on telly. He's been loads of chefs on telly. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so he started, he, like, he'd worked in a half decent place, and then he come, he did me a nice dish on his trial, and I thought I'd give him a shot. I was in the shit. Um, so I thought, yeah, let's hire him. And he called me from day one, I was like, this, this guy's wrong. He was just arrogant just um, didn't um, didn't respect any of our food he was talented like making all these mistakes and having a go at the commie chefs um, so we didn't get on and straight away I was just on him and guests had come in because I'd just done Great British Menu at the time so guests yeah. obviously come in the kitchen wanted to meet me and then he'd just be like ah. oh, oh my god, god. Yeah. hello nice to meet you and then one day I'd just been like giving him shit all Sunday lunch service and then somebody come in to see me I didn't know this guest and then uh, he'd come up like and they were like I recognise him has he been on telly I went yeah crime watch like, <laughs> and he just went back to his section so like, like you you know he was an obed so anyway what, like, I'd ordered this roast beef to come in on Saturday lunchtime and um, on the Friday so you know like with Johnny and a good surprise when you want something good you don't leave it on the answer phone. you phone in the day you make sure they can select the best for you so I'd ordered the sirloin of beef to come in on the Saturday lunch and he was on breakfast on the Saturday lunchtime mm-hmm. um, so I've come in and one of the worst things you can do to me is when I walk through the door is jump on me and give me a problem. Honestly, it really fucking warns me. Right, like, okay, noted. Take my coat off and get a coffee. Don't just jump on me like when I'm coming in the door and like give me a problem, especially if you're a senior person. Yeah. Um, so jump, the beef hasn't come in, the beef hasn't come in, I don't know what to do. It's like, 
okay, let me just take my coat off. Um, <laughs> I was like, are you sure? I was like, I ordered it in the day, I spoke to search and search. He's like, no, no, it's definitely not in. It's definitely not in. Well, uh, is it on the invoice? No, it's not on the invoice. It's not on the invoice. Okay, well, I was thinking, well, at least I haven't charged us for it and we haven't got it. Mm. I said, all right, then, well, the meat company, they're not working today, but I'll phone them and I'll phone the boss and see what I could do. So I went up in the office, like phoning everyone, like uh, all the bosses, like phone, leaving voicemail. I was like, look, please, God, let's help us out. We really need this. We were full, like 50 people the next Sunday lunch. Yeah. And it weren't just about to go and get some random beef from the Of course, yeah. Um, and I was like, look, I've phoned everyone, I spoke to everyone. Um, begged everyone um, but there's you know we've just got to wait and see so I was going to do the invoices so I'll be in the kitchen in a minute first invoice the meat company sirloin of beef on the invoice oh. so I James I nearly said his name then James it's got you said it wasn't on the invoice he's like it's not it's like sirloin of fucking beef like however many kilos there I was like is it in the fridge downstairs no no it's not it's not is it, is it in the fucking fridge downstairs? <laughs> Please be in the fridge downstairs. It's like, no, I promise. I, I never. I put all the deliveries away. I put all the deliveries away. I, I honestly, it's not in the fridge. I was like, all right, you go and have a look because if I find it, I'm going to fucking kick it. <laughs> right. So go I and find it. it. I don't need this shit. All right, we're busy enough. So it goes downstairs to the fridge, and it's like this walking fridge was massive, right? Mm. And it always looked immaculate because it wasn't like loaded up with stuff. You could spot anything in there. All right. He's down there for 15 minutes. And I'm like, he's found it. He's probably fucking freezing for yeah. one. <laughs> he don't want to come up. And I'm just getting more and more wound up. He comes up with this fucking sirloin of beef. <laughs> right, bottom lip going, he's like, I'm really sorry. I, I put the carrots on top of it. <laughs> so you fucking what? Why? What, what the fuck is wrong with you? He's like, I, just, I didn't even know. I just put the bag of carrots on top of it. I didn't know it was there. So anyway, I've gone, right. I've made a dick of myself, phoning all these guys, begging people, giving them a bit of shit because they've dropped us in it. Yeah. I said, you need to phone them and tell them you're a cunt. <laughs> oh my God. He's like, what? And that just come out like, I wasn't actually at you the time. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't ta- directly, at that time, wasn't directly telling him he had to say that. <laughs> But it did evolve to that. Oh my so god! So anyway, he gets the f- gets on the phone. He's obviously answered the phone. I was like, "You got to apologise to him because they're going to be running around now. They're going to be trying to find us some beef and you know getting into the plant when it's closed and messing their Saturday up because yeah. you've been a dickhead." Um, he's like, oh, "Oh right, okay, okay." So he gets on the phone, sits in my chair. I'm like, "Got my foot on the chair, on the chair." I'm in his face. I'm so fucking angry. Oh my god! And he's like, "Hi, this is uh, James uh, from 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 to to tell them you're a country. Tell them, tell them." You're a cunt. Just oh tell them you're a cunt. Oh my I had this red mist and I'm not proud of it, but oh, I, was yeah. just, I was just going and going. I There's wasn't no stopping. Is, I no, wasn't there stopping. really there isn't. And he was like, Yeah, I, I'm really sorry. He's like, Tell them. He's like, I, I am a cunt. <laughs> I can literally <laughs> can't believe he did that. He's that is outrageous. Like just berating him constantly. It's fucking horrible. What to be are honest. you doing? I'd lost it. I'd just it, fully gone. I was, I was like, I was away with it. I've never been in that sort of stage where it was like out of body experience. <laughs> and he's like, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done it. I, it's my fault. Like, please, please don't, um, please don't waste your day off. I'm a cunt. I'm sorry. <laughs> Put the phone down. Sorry, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I get out. I don't want to speak to you. Oh my I god, man! HR really like listening to this. That is unbelievably yeah. honest of you to tell us that because that uh, is quite. You must be that's like, slightly scared, list. like for ages. And 
Um, Rian told me never to tell it. <laughs> Fair enough. You've done it, mate. I Sorry that. about that. <laughs> I told him tonight, I said, I'm not going to tell this one. He was like, tell it, tell it, tell it. <laughs> you begged him on. That's what you've done, Peer pressure. The problem is as well, we've been sitting downstairs. We've had a couple of glasses of wine. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. We're loose. You could argue that we butter you up for this yeah, podcast. Yeah, I put myself up yeah, tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want know, me sitting down there? Like, we go to the inside, would you like some more wine? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need it after this story. Love it. I love it. <laughs> mate, that is, I think that's pretty bloody impressive for you to tell that because that yeah, is so harsh bad. yeah it's quite bad oh you're a changed man you never do that now would you but he gave me his notice a week later and I thanked him <laughs> <laughs> oh my word yeah. bless him well James if you're out there I feel sorry for you if no one else does <laughs> okay sorry right cooking hacks and myths to end on then uh, any cooking hacks that will help out home cooks or any myths to dispel stop people from doing them you got anything we can uh, help with yeah well one that kind of crops up all the time and I'd like it's kind of one of them now I thought everyone was over or realised it wasn't scientifically true and I heard it on some programme recently I was like no what are you doing it's just not right you ever heard someone saying like you pan fry something to seal in the juices yeah Se- God, seal, them, seal the fat yeah. seal the meat seal the juice God does my head in why what like is you're that creating wrong? some sort of casing where the yeah. juice will never leak I imagine you get two sirloin steaks right you pan fry them to seal them <laughs> Put it in the oven for an hour, yeah. one of them. Is it going to be dry? Of course it is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's not sealing the juices, no, is it? of course it is. The juices I... are going to come out whatever happens. Yeah, you're you right. You cannot seal juices in. I say that all the time. Yeah. It's <laughs> sear it for the flavour. Sear it. Sear, sear it. it. Yeah. You cannot seal in the juices. It's no. physically impossible. That is a good point. Because yeah. if you did, when you rest, you wouldn't get all that lovely stuff at the exactly, bottom, would you? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Dead so right. like, yeah, you put the other sirloin in for five minutes, one in for an hour. One's going to be a lot, a lot lighter if you weigh them because yeah. it's lost all of its juices. So simple. Mm. I'm an idiot. I'll change my ways. I promise. <laughs> I promise. Johnny, have you got anything for us? I haven't got anything when it comes to cooking. Uh, but all I would, uh, the one I do have is a, a fish filleting one. Go on then. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So, so when when you when you fill it a fit when you fill it and you fill it in a trade, how I always fill it, it was I'll have a really really sharp knife around fish like your sea bass and stuff like that. But a trick is when you're doing flatfish is you want to have a slightly blunter knife because when you're filleting it, the bone, the actual blade goes like over the bones, not through the bones, oh. and it, the meat slips off. And if easier. it's if it's blunt, no, it means it won't bone, take the bone with it. It won't take the bone with it, so it actually then just goes over the bone oh. rather than over. So round fish, your sea bass, you yeah. need a nice sharp fish because you go through the bones to get mm. the pin bones. Yeah. When you do a turbot lemon sole place and so on and so forth. You whip it off, slightly more blunt than a knife, and then you won't go through those annoying bones. That's uh, when you end yeah. up with them on the yeah, top. Yeah, so if it's, it's, if it's too sharp, shaves into them sometimes. Yeah, shaves yeah. into them, whereas if you've got a slightly blunter mm. edge. Yeah, so I hope that's that. helpful for anybody. Wow, yeah. sounds like it is with this guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've never, never really thought of that. It makes sense, yeah. Try it out, pop I'll it on. pick up a commies knife, they're normally blunt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't know where to blunt. Try that knife for a second. <laughs> Try that out, pop it on Twitter. Yeah, I will. Twitter. Twitter. That would be brilliant. Okay, nice one. Thanks so much, Johnny, for coming and doing this. Yeah, thanks because for having me. It's been brilliant. I think you've been the most cool, like with everyone, from guests we've had on to listeners have said, you've got to get Johnny on it. So I'm yeah. so pleased that you have. It's been yeah. awesome. Yeah, we've been talking about it for ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed myself. My pleasure. pleasure. And nice. thanks for dinner. It was amazing. Right, thanks again to Gusborns for providing us with tonight's nightcap. You can order straight from their website at gusborn.com or at them at Gusborn on Twitter at Gusborn underscore wine on Instagram. Wherever you are, however you're listening, thanks so much for downloading and here's to you, Johnny. Thanks for the nightcap. Yeah, cheers, cheers, mate. Good cheers. to see you guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys.
Thanks again for downloading the Nightcap Series 3 Part 1 again in partnership with Guzborns. Obviously, they supply some of the top restaurants and hotels around the world and they are still open for business. Simply visit guzborn.com to place orders and see which of their new very special releases are available for you to enjoy at home for the very first time. Free delivery, no minimum order requirements either, which is pretty incredible. If you love listening as much as we love doing it, spread the word. You can help others find it by leaving a rating and review on iTunes via your podcast app and for the price of a cup of coffee a month support the pod on Patreon it's patreon.com forward slash the nightcap and we're also giving away signed menus from Paul's Michelin style restaurant Salt there and we're going to be selecting one day one of our Patreons to come and sit in on series 3 part 2 recording later this year so that's patreon.com forward slash the nightcap in the meantime you'll find all the T's and C's on the Patreon page go distract yourselves you can listen again to all 8 episodes of both series 1 2 and the Christmas special with Michael O'Hare via your podcast app and for more content and videos follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at the nightcap underscore pod enjoy